Join Ringer staff writer Nora Princiati and Ringer contributor Nathan Hubbard for every single album, Taylor Swift. They're breaking down every one of Taylor Swift's albums leading up to the re-release of Fearless. Along the way, they'll be talking about the impact and legacies of each album, searching out Easter eggs, and assessing Taylor Swift's overall impact on the music industry. Find it on the Ringer Dish feed on Mondays and Thursdays on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. All right, it's official. I think I've discovered the ultimate coupling of all time. Like any good relationship, they really balance each other out. One is super sweet, and the other, well, they can be a little nutty sometimes. It is, of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. So perfect, some would call it true love. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Priceline. When it comes to travel, we all have that happy place, whether it's the beach, ski slopes, couples getaway, or even a visit to that best friend you haven't seen in way too long. And Priceline wants to get you there for a happy price so you never have to miss a trip. For me, my happy place is in the Mediterranean. I think I've mentioned that. Maybe it's why I like Love Island so much because they're right by the Mediterranean. But I just love the feeling of being in the sea and it's just a great sea. And now, thanks to Priceline's VIP family feature, you can go to your happy place more often while earning deals up to five times faster with a group. When one person from the squad travels, everyone gets more deals. And you even get to choose your crew. It doesn't have to be your actual family. It could be your neighbor, your roommate, your mailman, anyone. The more you travel, the more you save. And for me, I'd love to go on a trip to the Mediterranean with friends. In fact, I might be doing that in the near future. I have done it before, And it was really some of the most fun I've ever had. I went to Sicily. We had some great swimming there, me and my friends. Anyway, if you want to have a similar experience, download the Priceline app today to save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your happy price with Priceline. Welcome to Bachelor Party. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm joined by my number one, my homie. Hi, Rachel. <laughs> oh, I love this intro. <laughs> Hi, Juliette. You are so my number one. happy to be back. I'm happy to have you. Um, to be honest, I thought this episode sucked. I feel like this season is mm. weird. I'm sorry to be a downer, but like we're just living through a crazy pandemic and this show has like just become week by week more and more confounding and I called you earlier yeah. today and I was like Rachel I just need to have a gut check was that conversation with Matt and his dad completely inappropriate to show or is it just me and then we started talking about it and then we decided to take it to the podcast so yeah let's just talk yeah. about it what did you think about Matt's conversation with his father first of all I want to be clear I am taking a break from all bachelor talk I am on a hiatus. As you know, if you've been following my journey, it's been a lot. And so I've decided to not do um, any podcast where I really go into depth to talking about The Bachelor because I just I just need to protect my peace of mind. And I support that. I want you to protect you and I want to help. Thank you, Juliet. You're helping now because you're allowing me to vent. Because (laughs) I was so disturbed. This is not in your imagination. This is not something you're making up. This is not a weird feeling that you have. I I I felt it in my soul and I had to speak out about it because I am so disturbed at what I just watched take place on the bachelor stage at the conversation between Matt and his father. Yeah. So 
We know that Matt was raised by his mom, who I enjoyed her when she was in the first episode. But like the main thing about this season is we've learned so little about who everyone is, mostly Matt. Like I, I mm-hmm. have not learned much about him since this show started on like January 7th, whatever the date was, or January 4th, I think. And tonight his dad comes for this sit down and they discuss some, you know, I, I, to call it like open issues is like really disrespectful to Matt. I, I don't even know how to um, classify it, but I think he just wanted to talk to his dad and ask him questions that he's had about his time growing up and how his dad wasn't there. And he asked him all these personal questions and we don't know anything about Matt's dad. Like we have no context for this at all. And then Matt's conversation with his father becomes like the fulcrum of all three dates. It's super bizarre. And this didn't sit right with me. You know, you hit the nail on the head when you talk about the fact that we don't know anything about Matt. You know, or what his do dad. we know about Matt? We also know, we know or, even less his dad. His dad. <laughs> exactly. What do we know? What's the one thing we know about his dad? That he wasn't around. That he wasn't around. That's Correct. it. That's Correct. all we know, which if you know anything about stereotypes that are assigned to particular races here, the black race, um, you know that absentee fathers is a stereotype. Right. So the fact that that's all we know about Matt's dad and one of the few things that we know about Matt, we know that Matt has not been able to open up and to fully express himself in these relationships because he still has to get over the hurdle of confronting, at least this is how it's portrayed to us, mm-hmm. still has to get over the hurdle of confronting his father about the fact that he was not around when he was growing up. Right. And Matt can't get to the next level until he has this conversation. That's how this has been presented to us. Yes. And it's so crazy because this is like, I guess we learned like a little bit about Michelle. We definitely got like more time with her and we got to see her personality. I will say I found her date with Matt so gross, not because of either of them, but they go to like a Pennsylvania Dutch spa and they like, they soak their feet and like, they say it's oatmeal. I don't know if it actually was. And they like rub butter on each (laughs) other, which is like kind of, kind of hot, I guess. But the oatmeal grossed me out so bad. And I was just like, why is that what they're doing? But like at all of his dinners with with the women, at least it's edited to seem like all he talked about was like this conversation with his father and how he had it so he can now move forward. And that's so simplistic and like so reductive that it's just like, okay, so I guess we're supposed to think a lot about that conversation with his father. But in the course of that, it just plays into so many stereotypes about his father, you know, they say that his father's African, which we learn, and his and his father was killed. And Matt talks about Matt's father's father was killed, so Matt's grandfather, and, and he talks about um, how you know he just wasn't around. And there's like all these these details, but they're again, like you said, like playing to stereotypes. And I was just like, so they're exploiting Matt's conversation with his father to make his father seem like a, an absentee black father, and that is like what propels him forward in his relationships and like being able to conquer that and like not be the same black absentee father. And I just was like, I was just at a loss. I was like, I don't really know what to, to do here because this is so, so exploitative of Matt and gross and wrong. And I, I'm honestly still shocked. Yeah. Who greenlit this is, I, is the question. If know. you have a diversity 
diversity consultants affiliated that you keep telling us over and over about. And I even praise the fact that you had them. Why are things like this still happening? I said this on Higher Learning, but the more things change, the more they remain the same. And if the Bachelor franchise has shown us anything, it's that they don't know how to protect people of color. They only know how to exploit them. They only know how to mishandle situations when they come to race. That is what they've shown us time and time again. This should have never been aired for America to see. And for people who would say that we're exaggerating or we're making a bigger deal of this, this is one of those times where you should just sit and listen to what people who have been stereotyped in this way have to say. The stereotype of Black fathers being absentee and, and Black children being fatherless is deeply rooted in American society. And the fact that we don't know, as we've said earlier, we don't know much about Matt. Mm-hmm. But what we do know is that he fits into one of these stereotypes that we have for Black people, people who, who assume certain things of the Black family. And now we meet his father for the first time, and Matt and he, he and Matt are having this full-out argument about how he wasn't around. Yeah. And I know what producers would probably say about this, but the fact that This conversation may have been necessary for Matt. Let's just say that. Maybe Matt really did need this. But this was a conversation that should have just been for Matt, not for the rest of the world to see. And it shows that you don't care about your contestants, specifically the ones of color. The fact that you were more so willing to throw him under the bus and exploit him and stereotypes within the Black community for what you would call, quote, good TV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Obviously, you're completely right, as you tend to be on the, on these topics. But like, there was a couple, and and you know, I, I think I said that laughing, but I, I actually like don't mean it in humor at all. I like really sure. appreciate your perspective and you know the way that you're able to like just sum up why this is so wrong. But I also just feel like there was a couple of like small details, and I was just like, why are they airing this? Like Matt says to his father, he mentions that he went off and started other families, and I just think that like also adds to this portrait of this man who's like I don't remember his name and I, and I'm and like I'm not proud of that but I also like I don't think it was really a focal either. point. I'm not sure that they actually said it to be honest. And I'm sure he got like a lower third, but like he was just treated as like this like kind of like disposable story prop. It was so strange and like so unfair. And also like what about everyone else in in Matt's father's life? Like I don't know. It was just um it's sort of like a like a like a drive-by of like, okay, we're just going to like throw this guy out. And like, he's an advance a story for us. I also thought that the moment where Matt was like, you know, he'd come by with like pizza and sneakers, but I just needed him to be there. I didn't need that. That was really moving. And if we had known more about Matt, maybe some of these pieces would have um, not felt like so exploitative, but because we just know so little, it just feels like, a bad Oscar bait movie where you're like mm. using using race to get people's attention, basically. Using race to get people's attention. It's so, so true. It, it, it like, I'm almost enraged at what I saw and the fact that for some reason this franchise thought we're, we're equipped and we can, and this can be the stage where you can have conversations about black absentee fathers. And then and then just the juxtaposition of the way that Matt's dad is being presented to us. I'm not excusing anything that he did, but just the way that his dad is being presented to us in contrast to his mother. Yeah. Like 
the negative versus the positive. That as well plays into stereotypes and the fact that they, they cannot see the underlying issues or you know what's even worse? It's not even that they probably can't see them. They don't care. And I know for a fact, please listen to me when I say this. I know for a fact, Matt was uncomfortable with this conversation and the fact that it was going to be aired. Which is crazy because then why would any person of color ever want to go on the show again? And, you know, again, it's like on people of color to help us move forward here because if this is just a white show, I don't know why a a large group of people will keep watching, but they're just so disrespectful. It's crazy. Yeah. You're saying one thing, but you're doing another. You're saying that you want to make it more inclusive. You're saying that you want to diversify. You're saying that you want to be a place where people of color feel comfortable coming onto the show and that their stories can be told um, in a way that, that, that would protect them and that we can trust them. Yet then you show us something like this. Yeah. And I, it's it's just wild to me. It's wild. And it reminds me of, since this week, we also saw the interview with mm-hmm. Meghan Markle and Harry and And Oprah, one of the things Meghan Markle says she regrets is that she trusted the family to protect her. Yeah. And I would venture to say that Matt probably says the same thing. You know, we trust that we'll be protected. And instead, you show us that you can just exploit us. I mean, my gosh, my own experience, right? Yeah. Never in a million years did I think that a racist would be cast on my season and that I was left with the task of telling him off. Right. Yeah, like that it's on you to fix that when you had nothing to do with him being there. It's funny you mentioned Megan and Harry for two reasons. First of all, I texted you about it over the weekend. And you were like, why do people care about this? <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> I didn't watch it. And I talk a little bit about this on Higher Learning, but I didn't watch it because almost like it saddens me. Oh, yeah. It was, and, it was and very seeing sad. What, yeah. And like, as we all know, I took a break from social media and I just... Seeing things that I already knew what was up, like I never fantasized or glorified what was happening with Megan. I wasn't one of those people who was like, oh my gosh, a black woman is getting her fairy tale and she's getting chosen the way that we saw three years ago when the wedding was was being aired. I wasn't like that because at the end of the day, her being a part of that family, I knew it didn't change the history of the royal family. Right. And so the things that she was saying to me were not alarming. They weren't shocking. I mean, they were alarming, but they weren't, it didn't shock me. Everyone's talking about the bombshells from this interview. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised at all. Oprah said the same thing this morning on television. She was like, Gail asked her a question, like, what were you most surprised by? And Oprah, Gail kind of led her there, but Oprah was like, I was surprised they were talking about it. Not surprised that it happened. And so she had a very similar response. Um, I was a major, am like a major royal watcher and like definitely glorified the royal family. I was like super excited about Kate and Will's wedding. Stayed up all night to watch it. I stayed up all night for both weddings. But I like have a visceral hatred of many members of the royal family now. But like I still, and I'm like a major Megan apologist. Like, and she went to Northwestern and I went to Northwestern. I love suits. Like I, I'm like always sort of cared about <laughs> Meghan Markle, but, um, it was, it was hard to watch. And it's funny, like you, I've been thinking about these two things together as well, just in terms of like this mainstream exploitation of black people and, in, in traditionally white spaces. And to, I think to watch this episode of the bachelor tonight, one night after Megan and Harry is just like so infuriating and to use a word that you've used a lot in higher learning, just like very heavy. And I'm just like, what are we doing here? And I think that like, 
I've kind of talked about this a bunch recently too. Like people watch the show for fun and like escapism, but this like this blatant exploitation is so wrong that I just like I'm I'm honestly just dumbfounded. I don't I don't really know how to watch next week and and I, and I find myself really longing for paradise. I'm just like let's just get back to a show that has the lowest <laughs> stakes possible and like it's just really stupid. And it's so true. It's like it's just bizarre. And I found watching the rest of the episode, like really distracting. Cause first of all, every day kept coming back to this conversation with his father. And I was just like, that was not appropriate for us to watch. And the way that they have presented, even if it was appropriate for us to watch, let's say like, that's just a judgment call. Mm-hmm. It's object. It's, it's objective. that They used his father as like a plot point in a really disgusting way. And let's be honest, in, is this going to help the relationship between no. Matt and his father after what, maybe in the moment, they they bonded, but the fact that this is how his father is going to be portrayed on television, that's not going to help their relationship. Even at one point in the conversation, he's he kind of, the dad looks around and is like, kind of like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Why, why, why are I we having bad for his this dad. conversation really here? Yeah. Like he thought he was coming to talk to Matt about this experience. Meanwhile, Matt's going to have this, this heavy conversation with him. And you could see that Matt was nervous to do it. And you could see that his dad was extremely uncomfortable being there. It just shouldn't, it shouldn't have taken place. And, and to add to it, everything that is surrounding the franchise right now, you still thought that you could talk about race when race is such a hot topic right now with The Bachelor and not in a positive way, the the way that, you know, you have mishandled it and the people involved with your franchise, the way that they have handled it. Yet you thought, you know what? We're going to redeem ourselves with with this conversation. Terrible. And this is why I always go back to this. You've got to have a person of color. In the decision room. If I had been in there, absolutely not. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. All right, it's official. I think I've discovered the ultimate coupling of all time. Like any good relationship, they really balance each other out. One is super sweet, and the other, well, they can be a little nutty sometimes. It is, of course, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. So perfect, some would call it true love. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. eBay knows that when it comes to jewelry, authenticity is the real gem. When you see the blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, it means your next piece will be carefully inspired by jewelry experts and will always be worth its weight in gold. Whether you're looking to make a statement or build the perfect everyday look, eBay is making sure you get the real deal. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that jaw-dropping piece will always arrive jaw-droppingly real. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. 
actually, I just wanted to ask you, do you think that the producers knew this was wrong? Do you think they knew they were showing a conversation about race? Yes. Cause I don't think that they're stupid. Mm-hmm. I think that they focused more on the fact that this was the first time we saw different emotions from Matt, right? Yeah. Matt's been pretty even kill. It's kind of like, does he like these women? Does he not? We saw him cry. We saw him get upset. We saw him be vulnerable. We saw him open up in a way that he hadn't before. Things that you want to see from a lead that we haven't really seen from Matt. This moment broke Matt. Of course they wanted to show that. Yeah. They wanted to show. And and then they blamed why he's been so uptight on his relationship with his father. Right, which is crazy. And, and, um, you know, later on in the episode and her dinner – Brie talks to Matt about how she thinks her father would be really proud of her. And she also talked about how her father was like around, but not like very present. And it sounds like she, she was largely raised by her mother and her grandmother. And that was a real opportunity. I assume I have to assume, because I think Matt seems like a good guy, honestly, that they talked about that shared experience of not really having their father around. We saw so little from him. Like he didn't really reflect on it. He he does the same thing with her that he did with the other two women. I'm saying like I had this conversation, and now I'm like ready to move forward. And she talks about and and she responds with like you know I think my father would feel you know a, like comfort knowing like the woman I've turned into and she's holding back tears. And Brie has such a specific cadence to her voice and the way that mm-hmm. she delivers her words. It's like with so, so much deliberateness that I think sort of seeing her hold back tears while also being so precise with her language is really, uh, really moving. And I was like annoyed that we didn't get to see like a genuine connection between them. Maybe they didn't have one, you know, that's definitely possible. Well, but- yeah, there, on family week, he looked dead behind the eyes talking to her. So <laughs> I just, I just think that it's almost, maybe it's almost like too there. real. Maybe it is like too similar yeah. or something, but I, I know he's like, I know he's a good guy. I can tell you can tell he's a good guy. Right. And you just didn't yeah. really see like substantive conversation, even though this, this, like this father chat was supposed to be like positioned that way. And you know, the sort of like other plot line of this episode is that Rachel's so worried that because she has the third of three overnight dates, like Matt's going to forget about her and he's not going to be into her. And that's like the end of their relationship and like knowing what we know about her and then combined with like this misuse of Matt's really important conversation. It's just like, what are we doing here? I don't know. I don't mean to be like so negative about the show that I cover every week, but I was so floored by how, inappropriate and tone deaf and manipulative this episode was. I'm just like, kind of like, I'm honestly flabbergasted. I can't get over it. And like I said, like, I just want to have, just want to show me paradise where like, it's a million people. (laughs) And it's like not one person who's asked to be like some symbol in America. Absolutely. Where they just go on a beach and have reckless fun. Listen, I said, I said before, the show needs to put a pause on it until they can handle these type of issues. And until they want to do it in a serious way. Right. Right. Like, don't play with us. Don't think because you're talking just because it's a black person on this the screen. Sorry, somebody just wrote Twitter isn't fooled. People feel uncomfortable and can see they used Matt. Good. But um, one of the things that I I was afraid of is that people would um, wouldn't get the issue with this. But we are living in a different time where people are more aware. And maybe three years ago, dare I say, 2018. (laughs) People wouldn't appreciate this conversation the same way. They wouldn't recognize it. 
But compared to now, you know, there is a, a level of awareness and we're talking about certain stereotypes that have been, that have perpetuated in this society when it comes to black men. And The Bachelor put it front and center in the worst way. I know. know tonight. It's, it's very hard to like, I've been piecing it through. I'm like, what happened to Matt in like week six? I'm just like, when, what has happened on this show for the last nine, 10 weeks, whatever it's been. Cause I can't really remember. I'm just like, do I have COVID like COVID brain where I don't remember anything? No. Like, cause more drama has been happening off yeah. the show than on the show. And, right. and it's, it's so terrible. I feel really bad for Matt. Whether I do you too. like him or dislike him as a bachelor, the fact that this historic season has been overshadowed with so much negativity and drama and, and talked about in a, in an unprecedented way for all the wrong reasons is so bad. I mean, at this point, it's like, how do you, do you have any hope that the franchise is going to be different? Do you just walk away and say, you know what, when are we going to get another flavor of love? I mean, yeah, that's what I'm asking for, basically. <laughs> you are for paradise. You so yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, mindless just like, TV where, yes. yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to keep doing this. And I think one of their mistakes was just trying to have like a regular bachelor season because you know what? This was different. First of all, it's the first black bachelor. That's number one. But number two, we didn't know this guy. Like I felt like I knew him, but we didn't. And so they needed to make a bigger effort. They, I hope they say this. They needed to make a bigger effort to show America who Matt is and like yeah. why they chose him and why so many women asked to be on the show. And they didn't do any of that. Instead, we just got like stupid Anna and Victoria and I just keep thinking about the conversation you, me, and Van had after night one when Chris and Matt had that sit down. And it's just been a horror show since then. And we knew it, right? We talked about <laughs> We've talked about it since. It's been such a, just a flagrant disaster of misfire after misfire. And that's really being kind. I would say it's definitely more insidious than that. And I don't know. Like, we just should have seen this coming. I I, I wish that I had been, like, better mentally prepared for what a mess this was going to be. I, I, I wasn't even prepared, Juliet. I thought that was the worst of it. Like I was like, okay, this is it. Not, we didn't know it was going to be like a precursor to yeah. <laughs> how the rest of the season was going to go. But I mean, what can you expect when you have people who haven't had these experiences, who don't look like these people trying to tell their story? Right. It's just, it's coming from their perspective right. and that's not the right one. And also the show needs to be more malleable for different kinds of leads, right? Because like mm-hmm. the type of like quote unquote love story it wants to tell is very specific to like white heteronormativity, white conservative heteronormativity. Sure. And it needs it needs to be like reworked so that there's not such a specific framework every time. And like you can have the same tropes of like first impression rows and and whatever, but it just needs to fit more kinds of people. It's just like so it's just not always like the super hot guy with like ripped abs who finds like a great skinny blonde or whatever, or brunette in this case, whatever it may be. And that's like a, I, I, an awakening. I just feel like a, kind of like an idiot. I'm like, I'm having like a bachelor awakening of like all the things that are wrong. But this episode just well, pushed me off the ledge. I don't think that you're having, I think it's, it's why we all like reality TV. It's an escape yeah. from act from real life, you know? And it's why I love housewives and and most things on Bravo. It's just I'm it's mindless. It's nothing like what I experience in real life and I just love to you know, it's pure entertainment. So you're not 
dissecting it in that way. And that's why people have been watching it the way they have for so many years. And, and now that things have changed within the last four years, Mm-hmm. When I was the lead, now people are seeing it in a different way. Hey, well, you're looking at it as troubling. I can't remember where I saw this, but somebody said they do not understand how the Bachelor franchise survived the Me Too movement. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? I cannot figure out where I heard that from. But that's very true. Well, it's it's definitely true. And I've been thinking about like, I'm glad you brought up other shows that I like. And it's like, none of them purport to be serious. And like, of course, The Bachelor's not serious, but right. it, it takes on like, a serious tone and just like, you know, every year Chris, like the most dramatic finale ever. And like, will there be a proposal? And just like lower the stakes. I've been watching um, old MTV from like 2005 because the Paramount Plus launching. And I'm just like, they used to be like carrying coconuts across the beach for like a $1,000 gift card to Best Buy. And I was like, and this is great. <laughs> just like, I'm just like, this is awesome. <laughs> and I don't know. It's just, it's just so crazy. I cannot believe they're going into production on The Bachelorette so soon. Like they're just not ready. Do you know if they're still they're doing that? They're already there. Yeah, they're already there. Oh my God. They've they're- already, like, or at least they're quarantining for it. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, there's no, there's no pause on it. And you know, if anybody asks, no, I'm not a part of it. Okay. Good. I'm not you a part need that of it break. In any way. In any way. You will not see me on the season of The Bachelorette. Were you asked? No. And I think because I've pretty much said, like, don't ask don't me. Don't ask me. Yeah. You know, for that. Yeah. Um, no, 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 no. I wasn't asked, but I just don't think that things have been fixed in the right way. And I think that anybody who's standing up for change. I don't understand how you could be a part of this current season because as we have seen in this this episode there's still so much work to be done. Yeah. I don't want to be I don't want my name to be affiliated and I have heard that there are several people of color who have removed themselves from the show that were a part of casting for this current season. Yeah, why and would think, you, and that's why would well, you trust think, that you would be treated fairly or in a comfortable way? Yeah, and I think that's what the franchise has to realize is a bigger problem. You know, it's not just what Chris said. It's the lingering impact of what he said and how it's going to trickle down and affect every, like all people of color who were affected by the, the, the very words that he said. You know, yes, he's apologized. Yes, I accepted it. But still, you didn't forget what was right. done of a person who's been with the franchise from the beginning. So, of course, people don't want to be a part of it. People who don't feel included don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, and like why would you? Also, if you're a person of color and you watch the season, it's like, okay, so you have more women of color than ever before and like yet Anna who was on for like 2 or 3 weeks got like the most screen time of any of, of like almost all of the women. I mean, it's just like preposterous. Yeah, right? And <laughs> I'm honestly yeah. shocked about how little we know about the final two, Rachel and Michelle, based on the show. We know a fair amount about we Rachel. We know a lot Kirkendall. about Rachel. Yeah, we know a lot about <laughs> Rachel Kirkendall from everything outside of the show. But like, I don't know. And even even with Michelle, you know, we know she's a teacher. She does seem really fun and she seems like a good hang. I liked her bikini a lot. She looked great. I thought they were nice. They were both wearing white. But like what does she like to do? Why don't we, t- why don't we hear about her basketball career at all? Like she was like a really right? good college basketball player and Matt played college football. Like being a collegiate athlete, it's a really big deal and like defines a big part of your life. So, like talk about it. It's just, it's just strange. I'm also like, maybe I just like boring stuff, but no, I don't think so. Just like show me like something about these people's personalities. We could get a sentence or two 
where she talks about who she is. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that, it wouldn't it wouldn't take away from the show or make it any more <laughs> or less boring. You know, <laughs> these women also just got such bad dates. So they had the the Pennsylvania Dutch date for Michelle, and then Bree and Matt like went camping but didn't actually camp. They just like the date was like to pitch a tent. It's just like they like gave up with Bree. She got terrible dates. Insane. She got the first date, which was, which was fun, you know. But then we didn't see much of Brie after. No, that. no, they just like gave yeah. up. And then um, Rachel got to do pottery, which I think seems really fun because I'm obsessed with ceramics. But she was like had like a panic attack about like if Matt likes her, so it ruined the date. I don't know. There's there's always one, right? There's always one who breaks and can't handle it when it gets to the fantasy suites. And I will tell you, it is tough because. You're alone for like five, six days. Maybe they're not, not alone though. They're not, they're they're not, not traveling. Yeah. And and they're in the same place. They're not traveling. But you are like, wow, you know, I, I did this last night. What is he doing right now? It does really mess with you. Yeah. So, you know, I, okay. I'll give, I, I I'll give her that. I'll I can see that. that. Fair enough. Um, last time you were on, you suggested having Manuel Acho host the After the Final Rose. And then lo and behold, he got the gig. So good job you know by what? you. This podcast is a place of manifestation. Are you realizing that? <laughs> this is where things happen here. So if now is the time to speak things into existence, you've already talked about paradise. I don't know if that's been confirmed yet or not, but I feel like the fact that you have put it out there, it will happen. Hello, Matt James. Hello, Emmanuel Acho. Who else do we need? A, who else do we need to manifest something for on this podcast? Um, Let me light would, a candle. I would rather have like Bachelor in Paradise for like, 20 consecutive weeks than have Bachelor or Bachelorette for like the next year. I'm just like, let's I just like, keep bringing in. Yeah, just keep bringing more people in. Just make it constant. Kind of like Big Brother, like Love Island kind of thing. Um, 24 hour cameras. This could happen yeah. though because we still haven't, we haven't had Peter's women. Yeah. So we, there's a good crop of people. There's you so know, to bring many. Through. There's so many. And like all these Bachelor people are just like hanging out together all the time. There's just like, Every weekend, there's like five people from Bachelor, The Bachelor who travel to like hang out with each other. That's a, significant. So I'm ready. You know what? If we could split Paradise and Old Bachelor, I'm for that. Oh, me too. I love Old Bachelor. Uh, right? I, yeah. I so want to see it. I can't wait to see what these group dates look like. Oh my God. I totally <laughs> agree. And then last week, I had this comedian, Jared Friedon. We talked about like ways to fix mm-hmm. The Bachelor. My favorite idea we came up with was getting rid of hometowns, which like, whatever, maybe, maybe those should say, but introducing a date where the, where the bachelor, the bachelorette and and one of like his top contestants has to do a game night with married friends to see how they all interact as couples. And like, that's the one idea I can't, I can't let go of. And I most want to see. So we did that on you did season. You did. Did we see it? And I feel like they didn't show it. So, um, well, I don't know if Nick do was on a date. We were at this, ha- we were in Wisconsin and they had to change the dates because we were supposed to be in oh, Hilton yeah. Head and there was a hurricane and Nick's friends came over and we all sat. That did not air. I, think I they, would definitely remember Nick's friends. Yeah. Like one had a kid, some were married. I think most of them were married actually. Maybe one were, were dating, but they like knew him from forever and we all were interacting with them. I don't remember if Nick was there or not. That's really funny. So it's almost like they came back and talked about who they, you know, really bonded with and who was into interested in Nick and who wasn't. I think that happened. I think on Becca's season they did something similar too when they had Jason's friends come. I think because they were also supposed to go to like somewhere where there was a hurricane. So it's so funny. Yeah, we got to make that happen. I just oh, and I guess I did it too. 
You did? Peter. I oh, met yeah. his his friends that were in interracial marriages. I was so exploiting. Here we go again. Yeah. I was livid when when this happened. I remember I turned to my producer and I said, I go, why am I meeting friends? I saw I thought you said we can't meet friends. And they were like, well, and I go, are his friends in interracial relationships? And she just kind of looked at me, kind of like, how do you know that? Sure enough, here we are. Three couples, interracial couples, Seriously. talking about our experiences. Seriously. Just ridiculous. Also, just so you know, there would have been like an easy way to actually make that a relevant conversation this season, which is of Matt's final four, three of them, I believe, the parents are in interracial relationships. So like it would have been normal for Matt to like ask about that or for anyone to bring it up. It didn't have to be like a weird, like taboo topic. You'd like set up some conversation. I think that's what's so troubling is that like, because these conversations are maybe challenging or real, there's not like mm-hmm. a way to introduce them into the show without it being like some crazy elephant in the room that then tramples everyone and makes them miserable. It's just like, there's no comfort with confronting real conversations about race. And I think that's right. like, that's really what it comes down to. And I don't know. I just, poor Matt. I hope he's doing okay tonight. This is what it must have been really hard to watch. Listen, he's, I think he's very nervous about like what is going to air. But I mean, I DM'd him. I was just like, hey, man, I hope you're hanging in there. I mean, I just, was, I just felt so bad. I just was like, I don't know. I just felt like I had to say something because I okay. was just like, this sucks. This is what Matt James tweeted. Tonight's convo with my dad was hard to experience, and it's just as hard to watch all this time later, especially knowing the world is watching with me. I just wanted to say that too often we see dangerous stereotypes and negative depictions of Black fathers in media, and they have consequences when presented without context. Good for him. All I hope is that people watch that conversation with nuance, care, and also an understanding that there are real systemic issues at play. I'm so proud of myself for being vulnerable and I'm so proud of my mother. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be who I am without my dad. That's a fact. Good for him. That's great. Thank you for that live. Oh, and here's another live. You're going to do it? You guys, um, I'm breaking my hiatus from talking about The Bachelor in light of what I saw tonight on tonight's episode. Podcasting with none other than Juliet Littman. Stay tuned. On that note, <laughs> I'm really happy Matt put that out there. And I hope that he is surrounded by people who are supporting him tonight and making him feel loved and um, important. I think that's one of the nicest things people in your life can do for you is make you feel important. Isn't that just like mm-hmm. a nice feeling? Yeah, I hope he stays off the social, surrounds himself with people who know him, who get him, who understand him. And um, yeah, that was a really powerful statement he put out. Very it well really said. Is. That really captures is. it Good. without being too critical of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We'll Absolutely. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Um, <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for joining me. As always, please, please, please listen to Rachel and her co-host Van Lathan on Higher Learning. It's a great podcast. It's essential listening. You can also find her on Bachelor Happy Hour and on Extra almost every day. And um, thanks for listening. I'll be back on Thursday for real this time. We're really going to be Thursday. We're talking real world. <laughs> I just can't deal with this anymore. I think we all need a break. So we're talking real world with Kyle Brandt. I'm really excited. <laughs> Have a great week, everybody.
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.